0: Taylor Swift, but here I am dropping a bonus episode on you for the weekend. Mine is all about books, more book talk, because I loved my conversation earlier this week, episode 74, with my friend Sarah Bessie about all of the great books that we have read lately. But in a conversation like that, trying to keep the episode at about an hour long. I just didn't get to share with you all of the amazing books that I have been reading or that is on my nightstand to read soon. And so I just wanted to release another quick bonus episode with me sharing some of those titles that didn't make the main show, but that you book loving people might want to hear about. A quick reminder that I'm often sharing what I am reading in real time over on my personal Instagram account, laura.tremaine. If you're looking for any of the books that I'm going to share with you right now or back on episode 74, you can always find a list of those titles in the episode show notes. Those always live at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And lastly, if you're the type who wants the show notes to come straight to you and be in your inbox, you can sign up for the episode emails that come out every week or whenever there is a bonus show that has all the information that you need to know, links out to everything. Sign up for those by going to 10thingstotellyou.com. You'll see a little drop down for episode emails. Okay, so I'm just going to jump right in because I have read some truly great things in the last few months. I've talked about how I had a reading slump at the beginning of the pandemic when we were first in quarantine and I was having trouble focusing. I got over that in about May and really have been on a tear reading some really great, great things. And I actually think that is going to be a good thing to come out of this crazy year is really good art in general, and this is just a great publishing year. For me, the books that I've read is proving to be much stronger than 2019, so I just feel like there's going to be a lot of book talk over the next six months and especially towards the end of the year. I'm already looking forward to it and giddy about all of the great things that are being published in 2020. In fact, one of the books that I really wanted to talk about that I was hoping to have finished before I recorded with Sarah Bessie for the show is a novel that is absolutely blowing me away. I actually haven't even finished it now as I'm recording this bonus, but it is worth mentioning so much so that I'm going to start out with it, and that is Deacon King Kong by James McBride. This also happens to be Oprah's book club pick for the month, and I don't know if it's just me, I don't know if my algorithms are wackadoo right now or not, but. Even though it's Oprah's Book Club pick this month, I actually haven't seen this book around as much as I thought I might, and I'm sort of surprised. Maybe it's just having a slow burn, or maybe I just am not seeing it, but I'm more than 50% of the way into Deacon King Kong, and it is so good. I haven't read anything by James McBride before. I can't even remember why I clicked purchase on this one. Someone must have recommended it back in June or something but his writing style is incredible. I really haven't read much like it. It's funny and light and it reads at the pace of someone like skipping around. Like it's almost like cheerful, only the story absolutely isn't. The setting isn't. The characters, it's there are hard themes happening here and it has a multi-layered plot to keep up with, lots of characters and so it's like a real juxtaposition between James Mcbride's writing style which is almost like cheerful it's hard to explain but about these hard things like poverty and gangs and like mafia mob type settings it's all this is happening in New York City in I think the 60s and it is already a contender for me with one of my favorites of the year and i haven't even finished it and I don't really do that very often. I don't think that's very fair. Sometimes what if a book falls apart in the back half? What if it, you know, goes off the rails three quarters in? I don't know. I can already tell you reading this book. I could tell you in the first few chapters that I was like, oh, wow, this is different than anything I've read this year. This is absolutely fantastic. I have not read anything by James McBride. I know that he he is a well-known writer, a popular writer. He wrote the best-selling book, The Color of Water. He won the National Book Award for The Good Lord Bird. I for sure want to hit some of his backlist after this because Deacon King Kong is such a standout in the fiction crowd that I have read this year. Another standout fiction that I talked about this one on social media, but I didn't end up talking about this on any episodes in the last couple of months, but One of the books that finally pulled me out of my reading rut in the spring was All Adults Here by Emma Straub. I have not read anything by Emma Straub. I know that she is also a writer that people love. And All Adults Here is a dysfunctional family drama, which is one of my favorites. And it's not even total drama. It's actually a funny book. It's sort of a mashup between like a Jonathan Tropper book and... Elizabeth Strout, which I know those are two very different authors, but that's kind of how I felt like the novel All Adults Here was, like it was quirky and funny with a lovable family, but with some serious issues at the root of it, parenthood and affairs and identity, sibling relationships. I just really enjoyed it. I think it is a good weekend read. Now, not so much a weekend read, but right in my wheelhouse. And in fact, a book that a couple of people texted me or messaged me that I need to pick up right away was Hidden Valley Road by Robert Kolker. This is a nonfiction book about a family with very deep and pronounced mental illness, specifically schizophrenia. And there are 12 children in this family 10 of them boys, two of them girls, the younger two are the girls, and six of those brothers are eventually diagnosed with schizophrenia, and it affects their family life, of course. It affects their own individual trajectories and then how they interact with the siblings. This is a heartbreaking story. This is hard to read in some parts. There's lots of trigger warnings. If this is not a book that you are drawn to, you know, reading about mental health, reading about complicated family memoir. This isn't memoir, actually, this is uh, more journalistic. But if you liked Educated, if you liked The Sound of Gravel, which is one of my favorite memoirs of all time, if you liked The Glass Castle, which is also a truly amazing memoir. Now, those three that I just named, Educated, The Sound of Gravel, and The Glass Castle, those are all straight memoir, they are written by the women that experienced these stories, but there's a lot of mental health, parts of their childhood, of their parents, of their siblings. The difference here is that Hidden Valley Road is written by Robert Kolker, so he's outside of the family. I do think that changes the tone of the book as a whole if you experienced it yourself versus if you're writing this story based on a a series of interviews that were extensive. By the way, I mean, this author, Robert Kolker, really did a lot of research around this. And because he was a third party, he was able to also bring in the science element because the Galvin family, that's the name of the family, where all of this was occurring, they ended up being studied by scientists and actually ended up being a really important part of the study of schizophrenia and how we think about it now in terms of other mental health conditions and being able to study all from one family, all from the same two parents, like the genetics of that, the science of that, that becomes an element in the book. So some people are going to like that element. Some people are going to wish that it was, I don't know, stuck to the more of the family dynamics and stuff. I liked having both, but it really does make it sort of a better book than those other memoirs I mentioned. But if you liked those, you will probably be very interested in this story. But again, there's a lot of abuse. There is a lot of hard things in Hidden Valley Road. So if this that's not your cup of tea, then you need to avoid it. I don't usually give like repeated trigger warnings with books. I think that we are all adults here. See what I did there? And can make our own choices on what to read and reading descriptions before we purchase something. But a few years ago, when I was talking about The Sound of Gravel, I love that book so much by Ruth Werner, and I talked about it all the time to so many people But that book is is borderline traumatizing even to read, let alone uh, the people that experience that story. And so I did get a lot of feedback that that book was almost too hard, almost too harsh for people. So now if I'm giving anything in that sort of same genre, especially especially when it's nonfiction, then I just want to warn people that there are hard things that happen to children, there is abuse of all forms in this book. And if that's something that's not for you, it's not for you. But but it was a really interesting read. Okay, also in June, I read, because I read Hidden Valley Road in June, I also read The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Now, this was a novel that was highly anticipated. A few years ago, Bennett's novel, The Mothers, was a big hit. A lot of people read that one, and so they were really looking forward to this book, The Vanishing Half. It was put on my radar back on episode 65 when I did the summer reading guide episode with Ann Bogle because she highly recommended it. When she talked about it, it had not come out yet. So I pre ordered it. It arrived at just the right time. And it sort of also came at a time when a lot of readers were seeking voices of color to read and not just nonfiction, not just you know, history books to round out our history, but also novels and stories. And so it felt like The Vanishing Half landed in a ton of laps in June. And I think that that was a good thing. This was a good book and would be a good book for a book club pick, I feel like, because there are things in this story that would make for really good conversation, both around race and identity and some of the you know national conversation that's happening right now. But then also some other themes like mother-daughter relationships, secrets, shedding our hometown skin. The Vanishing Half is about two twins, a set of twins, daughters, sisters, and they grow up together. And then something happens that Separates them, someone makes a choice, and they end up living very different adult lives. And you are seeing how this plays out, and it's very, very different. One of them's keeping a really big secret. And I really liked it. I think I liked it better than The Mothers by Britt Bennett a few years ago. You know, like a lot of good novels, I was frustrated by some of the characters' choices. I was very intrigued by what this experience must be like. I just thought this was a good, solid novel, and it came out at a time in June when a lot of people were reading it and talking about it. And so I ended up not talking about it because I felt like by the time we recorded our episode in July, that book had sort of already been everywhere. And anything I would say about it would be mostly a rehash of what was already existing online. But if you have that one in your stack, if you're interested in that one, I do recommend it. It's called The Vanishing Half by Brit Bennett. Okay, now here's a book. and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping. Available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. and use code U, Y-O-U. Next that I want to talk about that I gave five stars to, but it will not be as generally appealing as a novel like The Vanishing Half that is kind of a traditional novel and that you're really invested in the characters. It's told mostly in a linear fashion. There's a beginning, middle, and end. There are plot points, if you will. This next book, not much of that. It's called Valentine by Elizabeth Wetmore. And everything that I have seen online about this book is really polarizing. This is either a book that you absolutely swoon over, as I did, I loved it. Or this is a book that you want to throw across the room, you flat do not understand books like this. This is not your jam. I have not seen very much in the middle about Valentine. Here's the thing about books like this. This book is amazingly beautifully written. It was a lot of adverbs. But I think this was so well written. And I don't know that anyone would argue with that. But it is only character driven. There's almost no plot. A big thing happens at the beginning. There's a big scene at the end. But other than that, you are just in these characters' homes, mostly end up being these characters on the same street, but we learned a little bit about their backgrounds. We learned kind of what brought them to the street in Texas, in a town in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the oil fields. So this is something I know a little bit about growing up in Oklahoma and also knowing people who live in Texas oil fields. I felt like the place, like the actual location of the book was as much a character as the characters and a lot of it is just a peek into their lives in this moment in time, just a little sliver. And, and you get some flashbacks, you get some backstory on each of these neighbors, each of these people. But besides the inciting event at the beginning that sort of ends up binding these neighbors together a little bit, other than that, there's just not a lot that happens. And I loved it. Like, I love books like that. It, also in a book like Olive Kitteridge, Elizabeth Strout, who's currently one of my very favorite writers, I'm loving everything that I'm reading by Elizabeth Strout. But her books are also very character driven without much plot, but you get invested in this town and in these people. Valentine, the book, is a little bit smaller than that. It's not as far reaching. It's not like the whole town or a whole group of people or anything. It's it's a smaller glimpse into this Texas oil field life where there is some violence, where there is death and desperation and people trying to overcome the family or their circumstance that they were born into. That's what I really liked about it. There was some reinvention in this book. There was some transformation we just get the tiniest glimpse of. And then as a reader, we kind of have to imagine everything else around it. We're just getting this one moment in time. I just thought it was beautiful. I wouldn't have been ready for a book like this earlier in the spring, Like for some people, it would maybe not be great pandemic reading because it's darker and, you know, as I've said, there's nothing like sort of driving you along. You're just sort of in it in this moment. I probably wouldn't have been able to take that tone a few months ago. Not that the world is light and cheery at this moment or anything, but by June, after I'd read a few novels, after I'd sort of gotten into a reading groove, I was ready for Valentine and I really, really loved it. Okay, and then lastly, in this section of great things I've read in the last few months, I actually listened to this. This is the only audiobook that I have completed listening to since, I don't know, maybe March. I think I started this in March. I know that I started it when I was kind of doing like a cleaning project at home. And then my listening abilities, whether it's podcasts or audiobooks, have just basically gone out the window for the most part in the last few months. I'm rarely alone, so I don't have any kind of audio going while I'm sort of just in my day, like I would if I'm home alone. I'm never in the car, hardly. And so that is an hour or two a day that I don't get to listen to things that I used to pre pandemic life, used to listen to things every day in the car. That is all gone. So this isn't even a particularly long audiobook, but I started it and it took me months and months to finish it. It's called Chaos. Charles Manson, The CIA, and The Secret History of the 60s by Tom O'Neill. Now, someone recommended this one to me, and I can't remember who, but this is definitely a book that you cannot start if you do not have some working knowledge of the Manson murders of Charles Manson and probably even of the trial and the different players that came into that courtroom drama. So this is mostly going to be for like fans of Helter Skelter, the book, by the DA, Vincent Bugliosi. You really have to already know a lot of that backstory or most of this book, Chaos, will not make sense to you. For me, it was really interesting because it is presenting a whole alternate theory to the Manson murders and that a lot of what we kind of know and accept to be the motives behind the murders that... It was sort of random in that they went to the house that they thought belonged to someone else who no longer lived there and ended up committing these heinous crimes, that Charles Manson really had his eyes set on becoming a famous musician, and that wasn't working out, so he was sort of exacting revenge on his fantasies. Like, there are just some things that we think about, Charles Manson and his followers, and this book is really disputing Who knew what when and is kind of saying that the people in the know, they never accepted those murders. That was just used for trial that you will go with sort of any coherent narrative to put these people in jail because there really was no question of their guilt. But what was the actual motivation behind it? And was it possible that Charles Manson was almost a tool of the CIA Not in the murders at all, but that the CIA was possibly conducting some drug experiments on mental health patients, of which Charles Manson had been a mental health patient when he was living in San Francisco years before these famous murders. Anyway, there's a lot here. I'm not going to unpack or spoil the whole book for you. This is a kind of niche topic, but if you're into true crime and you understand that. This murder is obviously one of the biggest of the last century and the most studied and that this trial is very, very famous, then you might be interested in this. And it's not very long. And it's easily told and easily narrated. I followed it fine, which I don't always follow audiobooks. My only thing here that bummed me out, and I actually sort of already knew this, but listening to this book made me end up knowing it a little bit more, is that Vincent Bugliosi maybe had a lot, a lot of character flaws. He died a few years ago before I knew that he had some character flaws. There are actually a few of his books that I love. A book of his that he wrote called And the Sea Will Tell, which is a true crime book. He wrote a series of books after he left the DA's office about some of his more interesting murder cases. And the Sea Will Tell is excellent. My husband, Jeff, even read this one. This was back when we were dating, and we talked about it for like months (laughs) I really love that book. I thought it was almost even more interesting than Helter Skelter about the Manson murders. Anyway, I loved Bugliosi for a while. I've said online, this is true. I named my external hard drive Bugliosi. Like this was more in the early 2000s in my like heavy true crime days. And I really loved him. Th- some things have come out within the last decade and definitely in this book, Chaos, that makes me think maybe I need to change the name of that hard drive, if you know what I mean. So anyway, that was a part that was just personally resonated with me. Okay. Okay. Moving on, I want to quickly mention three friends that have books out that are worth your time. And I'm not just saying that because they are my friends. I'm actually saying that because they are. And so if you are on the fence in any way, I want to reassure you that these books are great. The first is... Rage Against the Minivan by Kristen Howerton. I've been online friends with Kristen Howerton forever. Of course, she was on this show a few months ago, episode sixty-seven. Social shaming during COVID nineteen. That conversation got a lot of reaction, but that came out before her book actually released. So her book released in June. I loved it. I don't always read a lot of parenting books, but this is so much more than that. This isn't like a how-to in any way. Kristen is funny. Her life has been interesting. She's walking you through her adoptions, one from foster care in California, one from Haiti. She's talking about her journey with infertility. She's talking about living through an earthquake while in Haiti, visiting the baby that she would adopt. She talks about her divorce which is something that she never shared very much online, of course, for privacy reasons. But in the book, she handles this topic candidly and carefully. I was very impressed with it. You know, I've wanted Kristen to write a book for years. I think she's a really important voice, and I was so glad to finally read it. The other friend that has a book out that I laughed out loud several times is All Things Reconsidered by Knox McCoy. If you are a fan of the podcast, it is one of my very favorite podcasts. My friend Jamie Golden, who has also been on this show, episode 14, she did the makeup and skincare episode with me, but her real day job is making the podcast, and and this is her co-host on that show, if you do not already listen. Knox McCoy is funny. He is a great writer. This has more of a faith element to it than Kristen's book, but listen, there's a lot of things to reconsider in the faith space. It's not all faith. There's a lot of pop culture. There's a lot of just commentary on the world and how we see it and working online and some parenthood stuff, a little bit of marriage stuff. I just really liked this book and it did make me pause and think about what things in my life I have had to reconsider, both from my childhood in a from a pop culture stance, currently in the world. There's a lot to reconsider and change our minds on, and that's okay. And I really liked that element of what Knox is writing about here now. And then also, you guys, funny. I'm, draw- I'm so drawn to funny writing these days. And All Things Reconsidered by Knox McCoy has that in spades. Lastly, in this section, The Lazy Genius Way by my friend, Kendra Adachi. Kendra has also been on the show. Her podcast, her website is called The Lazy Genius. And her book comes out in just a couple of weeks August 11th, you are going to want this one. The Lazy Genius Way is everything that you love about Kendra. If you need to figure out how to think about something, if you need to figure out how to move forward in anything from, you know, friendship to cleaning your house, I just could not turn the pages fast enough in the Lazy Genius Way. It was so good. I know I'm going to return to it and the different principles that Kendra lays out of like, how to think about this, how to make this decision, how to be a genius about the things in your life that matter and lazy about the things that don't and how to really like articulate that so that you're not wasting time on dumb stuff or the wrong stuff and that you are getting the things done that matter to you. It's not just about productivity. I don't want to keep saying getting things done, but that you are engaging in the things that matter to you and that those things are truly the priority and not just a lip service priority, but like actually how you can make those things the core of your life and work around them. And I just love Kendra and her principles. As you saw, she lazy-geniused me back in episode 71 when we talked about my work-life balance. And I did not have any idea like the revelations that I was going to have in that episode, just having that conversation with Kendra as she applied some of these principles to me, but I loved it. And that book is coming out in August. You will want to pre-order it. It's called The Lazy Genius Way. Okay, next I'm going to tell you what I'm currently reading, besides Deacon King Kong, which I already mentioned, what is in my immediate to read stack next, and what books I have already pre-ordered that are going to arrive in the next couple of months that I am excited about. So currently reading the book Signs by Laura Lynn Jackson. Now... I don't know about this one, you guys. The stories are great. I want to believe this. This is sort of about how the universe is always communicating with us. And I do believe this. And I've even come to believe this more over the last couple of years. I'm not sure what I believe about people who have died communicating with us still. I want to believe this. I don't know if I do or not, but maybe I do. I'm enjoying this book. I do have my skeptics hat on. I do believe that there are things that we don't understand about the universe and nature and signs and coincidences that are not coincidences and sort of magical elements of this type. I believe these stories. I've experienced stories, not from the other side, not from people who have passed away, but in other ways, like other different kind of magical moments. And so – a lot of the book signs because Larlin Jackson is a medium that specializes in signs and messages from people who have died, communicating with their loved ones who are still alive. That's what most of these stories are. So I'm keeping an open mind. I am reading it. I'm not shutting it down by any means. I know that there are things that are unexplained, but I'm not wholly on board either. I'm sort of... I'm sort of just letting it speak to me and taking from it what I need to and letting anything I'm not sure about sort of filter through. That's how I'm reading this book. A quick trigger warning on this one is there is a lot of child death. Quite a few of the stories that she has told, and I'm more than halfway through it, are about children communicating with their parents or loved ones after they have died. That is going to be a hard thing for a lot of people to read. And I found myself choked up several times. So... Be aware of that before you started. That's what quite a few of these stories are. But besides that element, there's some real beauty here. There's some real magic here. I just, I'm just not positive about it. But I'm reading it. I'd be very curious to hear what you guys think about this one. Signs by Laura Jackson. I'm also reading at night, Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. This was recommended, I'm Almost Positive, by... The Allison Show, Awesome with Allison. I don't know if you guys listen to that or follow her on Instagram. I'm almost positive she mentioned this one. I bought it on my Kindle. It's one that I've been making my way through slowly. I th- I keep certain nonfiction books like this about mindfulness or things of that nature. I sort of keep them on my Kindle, and there's something that I read at night when I just need my brain to kind of wind down, but I know that I'm going to fall asleep in like five minutes. Like, I don't want to get into a novel or something like that, I'm really, really tired. But my routine is around reading and sort of settling in, settling down. And this is true for me, you know, one or two nights a week, I don't read a novel or anything more heavy lifting at night, I need to read like some kind of meditative thing, because I'm assuredly going to fall asleep. That's what stillness is the key for me. And but I've really, really liked it. It's really, Asserting some things that I'm learning in my life in the day. It feels like then I encounter it in this book at night, of like, oh, yes, this really is true. Some of the things he's writing about. Some of you who follow on Instagram know I've been doing this 10 minutes of silence every day. That's not meditation, it's just silence. It's kind of training my brain to not have to be stimulated all the time with my phone or with something in my earbuds or with the TV on or in a conversation, like just sitting and just letting my thoughts run but not true meditation. I've been training myself to do this for longer periods of time, but I always start with 10 minutes a day of that in the mornings especially. And to me, that is stillness. That is like a listening. That is a practice that I'm taking seriously. And this is what he's writing about. And stillness is the key. So I really do recommend that one. I Obviously, I'm reading it on my Kindle. Like I said, this might be great on audio if this is the type of audio content maybe you want to take in. And speaking of audio, another book that I started while I was in the car, happened to be in the car earlier this week, is Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper. I bought that on audiobook several weeks ago. I've heard it's great. I'm only a few chapters in, but I already really, really like this book. As I'm trying to learn from all kinds of different voices, hear their experiences, hear their commentary, this is fitting right in there with that, and I was already like sort of cheering and rewinding and really listening to what Brittany Cooper was saying in her book Eloquent Rage that I am listening to on audio. Okay, so in my to read stack, it is so big, it is so long. I shared a big, huge stack of my nonfiction to read list in the secret posts. That's my email newsletter that goes out. I put all of those books in the secret posts. My nonfiction stack is bananas. There's so many things I want to read, so many things I want to learn. And so many great things out there right now. But a few that were not in that stack that I just want to add here. Sea Wife by Amity Gage. You might remember that this was another one Anne Bogle recommended to me on our episode together back in May. She thought that I would like it, that it was up my alley. And I feel like Anne does know my taste. Since then, I've seen other people say that it is a good novel, dark Marriage novel, which I like those. So I bought Sea Wife on my Kindle by Amity Gage. Jesus Land, which is a memoir, I believe, by Julia Shears. Someone recommended that to me when I was talking about sort of unusual religious memoirs. Someone, did they recommend it or did I see them talking about it? Or both? I can't remember. Anyway, I got it on my Kindle right away, so I must have really believed in that recommendation. And then on a Kindle sale, I bought Amy and Isabel by Elizabeth Strout. Elizabeth Strout, as I already said, is one of my favorite writers right now. I'm trying to make it through her backlist. And so I snagged Amy and Isabel on my Kindle. Three things that I have pre-ordered that will come in the next couple of months. Number one, When These Mountains Burn by David Joy. One of my favorite books of the year. I think it was two years ago, maybe even three was The Line That Held Us by David Joy. I absolutely loved that novel. It blew me away. I had never heard of him. It was kind of on the fringe of my usual taste. I don't know why, but I absolutely loved that book. And he has a new one coming out called When These Mountains Burn. I pre-ordered it. It is coming out August 18th. He's a great writer, and so I am excited about that one. Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Gyasi the author of Homegoing, which I know a lot of you guys really, really liked Homegoing. That comes out September 1. I don't know anything about it, but I pre-ordered it. And then The Lying Life of Adults by Elena Ferrante also comes out September 1. And I pre-ordered that one ages ago. Elena Ferrante wrote the Neapolitan novels, starting with My Brilliant Friend. I've talked about them a lot. I loved, loved, loved the first three I really did not like the final one, but I think she's an amazing writer. I followed her author story because this is a pen name, and then she was uncovered, and that's a whole behind-the-scenes author drama. But I really love the Neapolitan novels, well, three of them, enough that I was just very excited to see what she is putting out next. So I pre-ordered that one. It's called The Lying Life of Adults. Okay, that is it. This is longer than I was anticipating. <laughs> Clearly, I have a lot of words to say about books at all times. But I hope you guys are also having a good reading summer, that it is something we can take joy in right now. I know when the world is hard, Mr. Rogers told us to look for the helpers, and what a wonderful, beautiful sentiment that is. But I also think what has helped me the most lately is looking for the artists. The thing that has brought me out of funk and despair lately has been art, music, books, the incredible TV that's being produced right now, movies, more books, all of these things. I know it's hard to concentrate, but there is an abundance of art out there. And I think that it has the power to bring us back to ourselves, to see the humanity in others, to remember who we want to be, to remember who we are this is what I'm going to leave you with on this bonus episode. Yes, look for the helpers. Also, look for the artists. They are our guideposts. I'm Laura Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10 thingstotellyoucom slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10things to tell you. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend.